This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by your K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Old R. Men. And JR. Hi, welcome back to the second to last episode of season four and of 2023. But today we're going to be looking at what happened in Korea and in K-Pop in the year of 2023. As a lot went on this year, we're only going to be highlighting a few events. So if you want to see more things that happened throughout the year, we do have a document listed in the script for this episode that is very long and you can peruse through at your own pace. But before diving into the episode, this year we are trying something a little bit differently. So we will be releasing a part two to this episode and you'll hear more about where and the why and the how of that towards the end of the episode, but just know whenever we record the year-end episode we always miss out on a little bit of the year because these episodes are recorded before the year is over, so <laughs> we can't catch everything. But if you stick around to the end of the episode we'll explain more about it and hopefully it'll work out good. Just have to wait and see. But with that out of the way, let's start out by talking about who debuted this year. Since it's the year of AI, let's start off with a fully virtual group, Playbook, debuted in March with the single Wait For You. They are a five-member group under VLAST. Each member has a digital avatar in the style of manhwa characters. KQ Entertainment gave us a boy group this year, being their first new group since debuting 80s in 2018. In March, Psychers debuted with Tricky House. The group has 10 members, so far released two mini-albums, and just finished their first world tour, which had two stops in Japan and six stops in the US. Next up is Boys Next Door, a six-member group under Cos Entertainment, which is Seiko's second label that is now a subsidiary of Hype. The group debuted with the single album Who, which has three title tracks, But I Like You, One and Only, and Serenade, with the latter one becoming their official debut track. The last one we're going to mention is Zero Base One, who debuted with In Bloom. This nine-member group under Wake One was formed through the survival show Boys Planet. As with their quote-unquote older sister group Kepler, they are set to only be active for about two and a half years. This is one of the first I found referred to as being 5th gen. And now for a little speed run of some of the other boy groups who debuted this year. The Seven, Vixen, The Wind, Catch the Young, Lunate, Horizon, Pow, Aeturn, Zodiac, Rise, CMDM, Teen, Hua, Toss, Fantasy Boys, Even, Hi-Fi Unicorn, Ensign, Wea, we us and mirror. Let's hop on over to this year's girl groups. As of the boys, we'll be starting off with a virtual group. Mabe is a virtual girl group that debuted with Pandora in January. This four-member group was formed by Metaverse Entertainment, which is a subsidiary of the game developer Netmarble Corp, partnered with Kakao Entertainment. And they are trying to appear as lifelike as possible. They have an interesting universe for themselves and lore to keep their fans intrigued. We mentioned this group in last year's Look Back, but Triple S debuted as a 10-member group under the Triple S name with Rising. This modhouse group is marketed as the first decentralized K-pop idol group, meaning that the fans will choose which members will be in the different subunits. As of this recording, 16 members have been revealed in total, but only the first 10 participated in this release. But this group has been said to aim for 24 members, but the final number of members can seemingly be infinite. Where have we heard that before? <laughs> In July, Kiss of Life debuted with Shh. They are a four-member group under S2 Entertainment. Prior to the group's debut, each member got to release their own solo track with a music video, which all converged in the pre-debut track by My Neverland. And lastly, we want to mention Niju, who finally made their Korean debut with Heartress this October. They are co-managed by JYP Entertainment and Sony Music Japan and follow JYP's idea of quote-unquote globalization by localization. So they have been focused on making it in the Japanese market and they seem to be very successful in that endeavor. It'll be interesting to see if they can translate that success over to the Korean market since it's also been a couple of years since we saw a new group debut from JYP. And here are some other girl groups that debuted this year. Limelight, Aida, Bunny T, Elite, Didi Girls, Hana, Shen, Young Posse, Queer, 
Enday, Primrose, Elfin, Two Sisters, Ickling, Juju Secret, Ruby She, Babies, A+, and Wanest. As for mixed groups, we got the duo Daluna, who debuted with Swallowing Summer, and the independent group QIX, who debuted with the single Lights Up. We also saw some interesting subunits this year. In April, NCT members Doyoung, Jaehyun, and Jungwoo became a subunit called NCT Dojejang, and they debuted with Perfume. Later in the year, we got a Japanese pre-debut single for the upcoming NCT new team set to debut in 2024. Speaking of Japan, we saw TWICE get their first subunit this year with Misamo's Do Not Touch. The trio is made up of the group's Japanese members, Mina, Sana, and Momo. Another subunit with creative naming would be Monsta X's Shonu and Hyungwon, who debuted as the subunit Shonu X Hyungwon with the song Love Me a Little. An additional group with multiple subunits this year would be Triple S and their units, Crystal Eyes, who made their official debut this May. Then in June, Acid Eyes debuted. In August, Levolution debuted with Girls Capitalism, followed by the other subunit Triple S Evolution, which debuted in October with Invincible. We also saw subunits T5 from Treasure and COA from Sky. Because sometimes getting a new beginning is for the best, let's talk about redebuts. In January, boygroup BXB debuted with Fly Away. This group has four members from TRCNG, which was under TS Entertainment. In August, Brave Girls redebuted as BB Girls. Like a Phoenix, they disbanded under their old company and released the final song Goodbye as Brave Girls, and then they came back under a new company as BB Girls with the song One More Time, which was a great start. In September, Lucembol debuted with Sensitive. This group has five of the members from Luna, Hyunjin, Vivi, Gowan, Heiju, and Yojin. As the legal and management incidents around Luna's departure from Blockberry Creative had a lot of fallout, we'll be mentioning this group throughout multiple sections of this episode and tie it together in our legal section. Moving on, let's talk about supergroups, aka groups made up of idols who are already a part of other groups. In May, the hybrid virtual group called Girls Fevers debuted with the single Cho after the competition show Girls Reverse on Kakao TV. The members are voiced by actual idols, and they are Rian, voiced by former Luna member Heejin, Sorite, voiced by Hyung of A-Pink, Muno, voiced by Kim Eun-bi, Kwang, voiced by Luda of Cosmic Girls, and Kim Serena, voiced by Subin of Cosmic Girls. On September 14th, Elje Op debuted with Cheeky and were put together from the show Queendom Puzzle. Finally, in October, Unbalanced debuted with Never. They're a mixed group comprised of members from KBS2's Hong Kim Coin, Hong Jin Kyung, Kim Suk, Jo Seho, Ju Woo Jae, and 2PM's Woo Young. As for solo debuts, for time's sake, we are not going to do a comprehensive list of absolutely everyone who debuted, but here are some notable ones. First, let's talk about the people who debuted solo with no prior debuts. In February, Bella debuted with Juice after being a trainee for 10 years. In August, Leo debuted with One Look. And then in October, Jay Chang made his official debut with the two title tracks Rockstar and I'll Be There after he placed 10th on Mnet's show Boy's Planet. There were also a number of solo artists who debuted this year that had previously debuted in groups. Some of these include CLC's Yeen, Blackpink's Jisoo, Twice's Jihyo, and 21's Dara finally had her solo debut with Festival, which is a remake of Um Jung Hwa's song and involved a senior artist. And Kara's Ho Young Ji had her long-awaited debut with Love. We also saw Jungkook from BTS debut solo, later followed by V, Monsta X's Juhani, and former AB6 member Lim Young Min had his solo debut with the song In My Room. To wrap up this section, actress Park Hae-soo has released music before but Noah Na is her first release and official debut as a singer. Now let's jump over to some trends that we saw in the K-pop music scene this year. Firstly, here are some of the things we noticed in music videos. And this year, as always, is a continuation of last year's trends. So the theme of apocalyptic core is still leaving its marks with many a music video being set in abandoned warehouses, back alleys, and huge desolate complexes in various states of disrepair. 
one can sometimes spot references to conflict having occurred or plant life reclaiming what humanity built. Example of this can be seen in Dreamcatcher's Bon Voyage and Dawn's Heart. The futuristic slash sci-fi vibes are still being seen here and there, but we've also been seeing an increase of technology in general being featured in music videos as main themes, and we also see AI appearing as themes here and there too, like in Levi's AI Bay and New Jeans's ETA. But we've also been seeing a lot more colorful music videos going around this year, giving us some hope for a happier futures. Like in Seventeen's Umaki Shen and Ha Youngji's L-O-V-E. We also saw trends in fashion. This year we're close on leaving the 90s and fully transitioning over to 2000s fashion, just with a modern lens. We've seen a lot of Von Dutch, Diesel, lots of denim and statement belts, and jangly star charms. For the girl groups, there has been loads of pointy business shoes, and for the boy groups, baggy oversized looks. An example of this can be seen in G-Idol's Queen Card and 8 Turns Tic Tac. There has also been more alternative-inspired fashion this year. Bondage pants, harnesses, and heavily distressed garments have been a mainstay. Though there is a distinction to be made between the quote-unquote clean alternative looks, clean makeup, and still being conventionally attractive. For example, we've seen this with Jespie's Medusa and Ives' Batty, and the grimy alternative looks, unrefined makeup, and quote-unquote unattractive choices. This was seen with Card's Icky, Sunmi's Stranger, and Kimboa's Acid Dream. The incorporation of biker fashion has been very prevalent this year as well, originally being seen in mostly futuristic style MVs. But now you can spot moto jackets in most boy group music videos, almost no matter what the concept the group is repping. This is also apparent in girl groups, though mostly with cropped moto jackets and many fits from brands like Namelia. We saw this with Tempest's Vroom Vroom and Jessie's Gum. Some groups have been more daring with their fashion choices, most notable being XG sporting multiple full windows in fits in TGIF, and also lots of creative hairstyles and interesting nails, like in Puppet Show. We also saw a number of trends in music this year. Remixes are not a new phenomenon in K-pop, but especially we've seen them being used to prolong a single's lifespan in very smart ways and especially by getting older artists to feature on said remixes to spread music to even more people. One example of this would be La Seraphim's release of Eve, Psych, and The Bluebeard's Wife, with the original single dropping as part of their album Unforgiven on May 1st, and getting its MV on May 23rd. Then, in the beginning of July, getting the English version on July 6th, followed by a new remix released almost every week for three weeks straight. Upshaw's remix on July 14th, Rina Sawayama's remix on July 28th, and Demi Lovato's remix on August 4th. Fun fact, this year I saw both Rina Sawayama live and Upsal live. Two very different points in the year, but still, there is need to see La Seraphim and Demi Lovato, I guess. There's also been an increase of sped up slash slowed down releases by the official groups. Because for a while now, it's been a trend for fans to make edits slash remixes of songs with different speeds, kind of like the sped up trend is very reminiscent of the olden nightcore. But now, this year, you've actually started seeing groups make their own and release their own versions of this to earn revenue off of it, which is good. I have feelings about it, but I don't know. It's very fun, though. This year has also been big on collaborations with non-K-pop artists. Examples of this include Jungkook and Jack Harlow's 3D, TXT and the Jonas Brothers' Do It Like That, and BB and Becky G's Amigos. An absurd amount of English lyrics were in music this year, aimed towards a global, quote-unquote, audience. English versions of songs have been a thing for decades, but this year the amount of standard songs that are supposed to be in Korean using more English than in the past was pretty absurd. This was more apparent in girl groups, and there's an article that breaks down the numbers, and it is staggering. And the final trend we want to mention, specifically me, because I was annoyed, is the rise in pre-releases and the number of music videos released this year that weren't labeled as such. 
For example, the music video for Blackpink Jenny's You and I is called a dance performance because there's a focus on the choreography, but that term dance performance has in the past been used as sort of like an alternate version of a music video instead of the main that focuses on choreography. And that's what I thought it was at first. So I nearly missed You and I strictly because of the labeling. And there's probably quite a few releases I missed because people decided to be creative this year. I was annoyed. So moving on before I get ranty, there were also quite a few notable stars who changed companies this year. So first, let's start off with a few notable departures from people who chose not to renew their contracts. In January, BlockB's Yeho, B-Bomb, and Yukwon left seven seasons. In February, Gugudan's Sally left Jellyfish Entertainment, Infinite's L left management Isang, Uptension members Ijin Hyuk, Kun, Kogyol, Bito, Sunyol, and Gyujin left Top Media, and Astro's Rocky left the group and Fantasio. In March, WJS sends Luda, Dawan, Xuani, Chengxiao, and Meiji left the group slash company, while the remaining eight members renewed their contracts. In April, Sung Jiho told Usurox to kick rocks and that she would terminate her exclusive contract with them due to payments that hadn't been made. Then Jaejung left CJS. A-Pink members Chorong, Bomi, Namjo, and Hayoung left IST Entertainment, leaving only Unji remaining there. And Chungha left MNH Entertainment. And everyone cheered. <laughs> In May, Spire Entertainment finally agreed to terminate Omega X's contracts with them. Also that month, Luna's Hyunjin and Vivi won their lawsuits against Blockberry Creative and had their contracts terminated. In June, it was confirmed that GD's contract with YG Entertainment had expired. Luna members Hassel, Yojin, Yves, Olivia Hai, and Gowan won their lawsuits against Blockberry Creative for their contracts with the company to be suspended. And Sunye of the Wonder Girls revealed that she too had left Blockberry Creative. In July, singer Kim Minyoung left SM Entertainment after 17 years. Super Junior members Anyok, Donghae, and Kyuyun also left SM but remains with Super Junior. And Shin Dongyup's contract with SM CNC expired. In August, SNSD's Sunny left SM, and the boy group BDC left brand new music after four years. In October, it was announced that Pentagon members Yoan, Yanan, Yuto, Kino, and Wusuk were to leave Cube Entertainment. Also that month, it was announced that the contracts for 50-50 Sena, Shio, and Aran had been terminated by a tract. Moving on, let's talk about some artists who joined new companies. In January, Icon was confirmed to have signed with 143 Entertainment. In February, Ihyori signed with Antenna. In March, Luna's Heejin, Kimlip, Jinsol, and Cherry joined Modhouse. In April, Luna's Chu joined ATRP. Meanwhile, all members of Brave Girl signed with Warner Music Korea. In May, Big Bang Staesung announced to have joined R&D Company. Vanner signed with Clap Entertainment after winning peak time. An ex-Bugaboo member, Rainy, joined AO Entertainment. In June, Luna's Hassel joined fellow groupmates at Modhouse, while Hwasa joined P Nation while at a Psy concert. In August, Super Junior's Kyuyun joined Antenna. Finally, and surprisingly, Tango Music announced that Alexander and Eli of Yukis had joined the company and were now together with fellow members Suhyun, Kisup, and Hoon. There were also a number of artists who joined labels for foreign activities. Regarding activities in the U.S., 2PM's Taekyung joined WME, IVE is with Columbia Records, 5050 partnered with Warner Records, Banner signed with Intertwined Music, P1 Harmony signed with Creative Artist Agency, CAA, RISE signed with RCA Records, and CARD signed with UTA, United Talent Agency, for activities in North America, South America, the UK, and Europe. Meanwhile, Tan signed with Universal Records Philippines for activities in the Philippines, and Jon Somi was announced to have signed with Universal Music Japan for Japanese promotions. But there were also a few artists who established their own companies. This includes Kim Jae-jung, who established the label Encode with director No Hyun-tae, formerly of Cube Entertainment. And interestingly, SM Entertainment sent him a congratulatory flower wreath 
Super Juniors and Hyuk and Dong Hye established Old Entertainment with a former manager. Rapper Crown J established his own company, TFMG, or The Flyest Music Group, which will be a hip hop and R&B focused company. And finally, ex Astro member Rocky founded his own one man agency, One Fine Day Entertainment, back in August. There were quite a few notable group and lineup changes this year. First, let's talk about a few notable group changes. In March, it was announced that Intuit's name had been changed to Sky, which is a combo of Sky and Emotion. In May, the group Mask, which is currently two members, changed their name to Seven Us after their appearance on Peak Time. In June, it was announced that the project group Ensign was going to be a permanent group and add three members. So the lineup will be ten members total. And in October, DPR Live announced that he was going to start promoting under his real name, Hong Dabin. As for lineup changes, let's first talk about who joined groups. Former Hot Issue member Nahyun is announced to have joined Primrose, along with ex Bugaboo member Rainy. In June, while Luna's Hustle joined four of her groupmates at Mod House, she also joined the Artemis Project lineup as well. Finally, in July, Shun, formerly Solchan of Target, joined Seed, along with former TST member Yuo. Moving on, let's talk about departures. In January, Ronnie left Sheed due to personal reasons. In February, Astro's Rocky left the group. In March, WJSN's Luda, Dawan, Xuanyi, Chengshao, and Meiji left the group. In May, it was officially announced that Sungchan and Shotaro had withdrawn from NCT and debuted in Rise, as mentioned earlier. Also that month, T.O.P. confirmed that he had left Big Bang. In July, it was announced that Hanul had left the girl group Saturday. Also that month, Craxi's Chewai was suddenly removed from the group, quote, due to the company's decision, unquote. It was very vague and a bit ominous. In August, it was announced that Kyungyun had left DKZ, and Tan, Tag, and Doan, and Wan had left Cypher. There were also a number of idols who left after massive controversies. These include Blanky's Youngbin, who left the group in February after accusations of dating violence. In August, DKZ's Kangyun left the group after fallout from it being revealed that his family and he was associated with a cult. Ravi withdrew from Vix in April after the controversy around his participation with falsifying medical records to avoid military service. In May, Teen Top's leader Cap left the group after controversy involving his livestream. Also that month, Lucas was officially confirmed to have left NCT and Wavy. To round out this section on lineup changes, we're thrilled that Black Swan's final lineup was confirmed in July. Moving over to disbandments, here are a few notable groups that are sadly no longer together. For boy groups, this would include Snooper, which officially disbanded after seven years. It was obvious it was coming as a member has been active in Omega X, but it's still sad because their song Platonic Love was such a bop. DICE, which debuted in 2019, also disbanded after their contracts expired and they have chosen to move on. The boy group Mirror is also likely to have disbanded this year too, even though they debuted this year. It was a mess. As for girl groups, this includes Momoland, with the six members going their own ways. They have been through a lot and we wish them the best. Moving on, let's talk about notable news, specifically celebrity and entertainment news. The year started off strong when a monk blabbed to the media about what RM of BTS told him regarding military enlistment. Understandably, RM wasn't pleased. But that wasn't the only time he faced a security leak this year, as in March, a CoRail employee was exposed for accessing his personal information without being authorized to do so. They were suspended and claimed they just did it out of curiosity. The story ended well with them being fired. Also that month, it was announced that SF9's Dawan had performed CPR on a person having cardiac arrest in a sauna. He wasn't the only one who provided CPR this year. In October, Baek Jongwon, who is famous for all things related to food, gave CPR to an employee of a restaurant after they went into cardiac arrest. And this has been your yearly suggestion to get trained in CPR. <laughs> I do recommend it. He yeah, is important. <laughs> Back in January, Komka announced that Stray Kids' Bang Chan, Changbin, Han, Janabi's Choi Young-hoon, and Mingation were promoted to regular members. In February, it became public that YG returned to his post as head producer. 
Also that month, the charges against the production team of KBS 2TV's Music Bank were dropped in relation to the manipulated score mess around Im Young-woong and La Seraphim, as it was found that the time period cutoff was different. Starting in February, the survival show Peak Time aired and the boy group Vanner gained support from viewers after the group's struggles were revealed during the show. Although this isn't too uncommon, the members of this group worked day jobs in order to continue being idols and had been through a lot. One of the most shocking reveals was that the group's leader, Taehwan, had previously been exempt from military service due to his family's severe financial situation. As this isn't an exemption we typically hear about idols being approved for, compared to stuff like medical or what have you. After winning peak time, the group was thrilled to have staff, separate bedrooms, and they were finally at a place where they could quit their part-time jobs. In March, Jinoshan's Sean commemorated the March 1st independence movement with a marathon for Habitat Korea along with other celebrities for the third time. But that wasn't where he stopped. In June, he announced the completion of the 2023 Miracle 365 Ice Bucket Challenge run with the Sung-il Hope Foundation, which he is a co-representative of along with Park Sung-il. After years of work, Korea's first Lou Gehrig nursing hospital is going to be built. This has been a long time coming, as Sean has participated in many events to donate money to this cause. It was also around that time that actor Kang Ji-sub was accused of being in the JMS Providence Church Cult, which was accused of crimes in a Netflix documentary. He said he left years ago, but netizens doubted it. A witch hunt ensued after the doc dropped to suss people out. The other main celebrity swept up in this controversy was DKZ's Kyungyun. As his interview with Dispatch about his time in JMS was released and netizens weren't buying his claims of not being all in. He apologized, but in August he ended up leaving his group and joined the military soon after. Later in March, BTS's Jungkook did a live stream where he showed his recipe for ramen named Boguri, and Nongshim copyrighted the name he gave it a few hours later. Since part of the recipe requires noodles from the company, they said that they want to prevent people from profiting off of it. Yes, we know. Ridiculous. In April, Wonder Girl's Sonye was appointed as Special Professor of Practical Music at Gangseo University. Also that month, news came out of a proposed new amendment to the Popular Culture and Arts Industry Development Act that was approved. It called for many changes to the industry that included the reduction of working hours for minors, requiring financial statements to be provided yearly, and much more. But in May, multiple organizations who I refer to as the Five Hooligans requested for the removal of the underage time limits. And a month later, two managers said that it will appear unfair to the members and claim that it's trainees who push themselves to do so much. But as you'll see in the Omega X News in our lawsuit section, this is part of a troubling trend of companies pushing against industry standards to limit the rights and protections of idols. On a happier note, it was announced on May 9th that Woolham's CEO gave Infinite's trademark rights for their name to leader Sungyu for his birthday, no strings attached. This story has a special spot in our hearts as Infinite was the first group we did a deep dive on. In June... Yoo Jae-suk became the third largest shareholder of Antenna Music when he bought 20.7% stake from Kakao Entertainment. In July, former soccer player Lee Chun-soo sprinted after a drunk hit-and-run driver with his manager on a highway and caught him. In August, YB's Yoon Do-hyun announced that he was cancer-free after battling it quietly since 2021. Meanwhile, on August 23rd, Icon officially possessed all trademarks associated with them. Also that month, NCT's tail was involved in a collision with his motorcycle and sustained injuries, including a fracture in his right thigh. However, fans didn't know the circumstances and assumed that tail had been reckless until fellow member Chanla, who has a rep for being reliable with his information, mentioned that he heard someone blew through a red light and hit him. He emphasized that tail didn't do anything wrong. Tail's recovery continued well into NCT 127's comeback. At the end of August, actor Kim Woo-bin posted a message on his Instagram talking about the fan site owner Ji Won after attending her funeral, sending flowers, and even giving condolences money. Finally, at the end of October, it was reported that Bang PD and MBC's feud of four years was at an end. 
Now let's move on over to everyone's favorite sections, lawsuits and crime. So let's talk about who got in trouble and who got sued. On January 2nd, according to Chosan Ilbo, Hook Entertainment was under suspicion for evading taxes by offering cash-only sales at Lee Sun-hee's solo concerts. Then in June, Hook Entertainment and Lee Sun-hee's side had their first hearing. We talked about that mess during last year's Look Back episode, so if you don't know what's going on with that, you can go listen to that after you finish this episode. Hook changed their argument to being that they overpaid Lee Sun-hee and they wanted 9 billion won. Hook is not off the hook. Also in January, Omega X announced that they had won their lawsuit against Spire Entertainment to invalidate their exclusive contracts. If you think we're all in agreement that this was a good thing, you would be wrong. In August, a YouTuber, one of those questionable news ones, uploaded a video that claimed Omega X was conspiring to leave and had set up the CEO. Side note, the article I read this from had a super concerning paragraph because apparently there are companies that want to challenge existing laws and accepted standards around idle contracts, including the seven-year standard, and don't see why that's a problem. So expect more companies to join folks like SM in playing red light, green light with the FTC. Getting back to Omega X, in September, a post was made in response to the CEO of Spire calling Omega X, quote, the second 50-50, unquote, which we'll talk about later. And the post was a compilation of unhinged texts that she sent to the members and crosses the line in unprofessionalism. So she's going to keep claiming stuff and they're going to keep shooting back. So that's most likely going to continue, but probably not much is going to change after this ruling. Meanwhile, last year we talked about issues between Luna's Chu and her company Blockberry Creative. Well, it turns out the rest of the members also had a problem with the company and wanted out. Over the course of this year, the rest of the members also filed to have their contracts terminated. In the end, they all won their cases and have moved on with their careers. As mentioned earlier this episode, some of the members are still working together. But in October, Blockberry said that they would be appealing the decision to suspend contracts of the Luna members. If there are any significant updates on this, we will come back to this in a future episode. The final group who had a lawsuit in January is the girl group GWSN. They won their first lawsuit against The Wave Music, and their contracts were suspended. To boil down the background for this lawsuit, they were basically abandoned by their company and took the fall in absurd ways, including two foreign members being in trouble due to overstaying their visas, which is absolutely something the company should have handled. We doubt it, but personally, we'd like to see the heads of the company get criminal charges over this. Moving on, in February, multiple people who worked on KBS-1's The King of Tears, Lee Bongwon, were found guilty of violating the Animal Protection Act and were forwarded to the prosecution. Last year, the drama pulled a stupid stunt that harmed and later led to the death of a horse that had been used during production. So hopefully we get convictions! Also that month, former Big Bang member Sungri was released from prison, and actor Yoon Ah-in was reported to have tested positive for propofol. Hours later, it was said that marijuana and another drug were also found in his system, which ended up being cocaine and ketamine. He was then promptly pulled from the show Hellbound, and things went downhill as he did shenanigans like ditching his second investigation meeting with the police, and in October he was finally and officially indicted for illegal drug use. In March, prosecutors filed an arrest for Ravi evading military service, but it was dismissed after Ravi admitted to the charges. He was far from alone as prosecutors later announced that 137 people were indicted for military invasion, both people trying to avoid it and people who aided with avoiding it. Rapper Nafla was also tied to this as he was reported to have been absent from his social service work for 141 days. In April, both of these trials happened and prosecutors asked for at least two years prison time. In August, Ravi was sentenced to one year in prison, probated for two years, and 120 hours of community service. Meanwhile, Nafla was sentenced to one year in prison. In October, Ravi apologized and Nafla pled not guilty. Meanwhile, on April 20th, Xinhua's Haesung was sentenced to six months in prison, deferred for probation for one year over last year's DUI shenanigans. Earlier we mentioned 
Sung Ji-hyo left Usu Rocks, and in May she filed a lawsuit against the company for not paying her. Dispatch revealed the whole situation, and Sung Ji-hyo was shown as being in the right. While the lawsuits are still ongoing, in October she moved to a new company. But probably the strangest lawsuit filed this year happened in May when someone filed against singer IU claiming that she plagiarized six of her hit songs. But the person who filed wasn't the person who was being infringed upon. Composers and IU's company responded with a hard no. Unsurprisingly, the lawsuit was dismissed, hopefully with prejudice. On May 16th, MLD Entertainment's appeal against Mobile Land's Daisy was denied which meant that she was free from having to pay absurdly high penalty fees after she was fired. She didn't quit. Now, this didn't end up as a lawsuit, but we're still mentioning it here because there was an investigation to see if criminal activity occurred. Back in January, a military nurse from a different unit went to the unit BTS's Jin was stationed at and gave him a shot, along with other soldiers. It was alleged that she had snuck off her base and did it to meet him, along with being suspicious with Tylenol. News of this military investigation came out to the public in May, and she lawyered up and said, nah, it was a procedure and she got permission. In July, she ended up being found not guilty on the charge of stealing medical supplies. As for the dissertation of her post, it was ruled to be, quote-unquote, indictment waived, as her commander knew but not the commander whose base she went to. She was mad at the media and claimed that this blew up because of a quote-unquote malicious news report. But considering as there was an actual investigation going on months prior, the privacy violations of fellow BTS member ARM dealt with, not to mention the group trying to sell BTS's contact info a few months later, the public had cause to expect the worst, in old R's opinion. Because of all the stuff of RM and all the stuff that came out this year, when people heard the BTS Jin thing, they just automatically assumed, yeah, that probably tracks, considering all the wild stuff we'd heard already just this year. On June 19th, all four members of the girl group 5050 filed to have their contracts suspended. As this dispute mainly played out in the court of public opinion, we're going to be summarizing the gist here. If you want more, you can look in our master doc, where you'll see news on this topic with the label FF next to it. But from the start, it seemed like Attract CEO's beef wasn't really focused on the members themselves, and a few days later, it became public that that was because Attract's alleged producer, Ansung Il of The Givers, had been deleting company data about the members and working to acquire the copyright for Cupid. The Givers denied it, and things went to the races from there. At the end of August, the Seoul Central District Court sided with Attract and denied nullifying their exclusive contracts. Still, the CEO of Attract left the door open for them to return, but the girls decided to appeal the decision, which later failed. Then, in mid-October, member Kina withdrew her lawsuit and was accepted back. The other three members wouldn't budge, so their contracts were officially terminated on October 19th. At this time, it appears that when this mess started, the girls had no clue about what Ansung Il was accused of and weren't intentionally part of the alleged fraud. This is still an ongoing case, so we'll provide updates in the future. Moving on, on June 23rd, YouTube channel Sojong, which is known for making up rumors, was hacked and then deleted. This is interesting because Starship Entertainment released a statement about how they're going after them. In August, a man was arrested for threatening to kill 9SM Entertainment employees after DMing an idol and never getting a response. It was also found that he had a detailed plot on how to carry out the crime. Then, on August 23rd, Funky Studio and Pocket Doll Studio announced the departure of Yuju Wan. Yuju Wan won first place on the NBC show Boys Fantasy and was set to debut in the group Fantasy Boys. According to their statement, it was due to his parents' demands. He responded quickly, and although it was vague, he said he had asked for some revisions, but then the company tried to insist on him signing more. They couldn't agree, so that led to the company saying goodbye. Then, about a month later, the lawsuit started. As this is the beginning, we'll provide updates about this in future episodes. Finally, in September, someone made a post claiming they had reported Exo's DO for smoking indoors and said that he was going to be fined. It's not illegal for someone to be a smoker, but it is a problem because he did it in a waiting room while co-workers around, including members and staff. This was later confirmed to be true. The reason why we're mentioning this here is that a lot of people commented that it shouldn't be a problem because he's an adult who's entitled to make his own choices. 
and that's true, but it's against the law to smoke indoors in a building like that because, first of all, you've got people who could have health issues that this could affect them. If you have enough smoke, that can affect the quality of the building, and it's just rude. So, yes, legal to be a smoker. No, don't smoke where you're working when it's a non-smoking area. Moving on, let's talk about military matters. Of the many idols who enlisted this year, some notable names include Elast Sungyup, Di Crunch's Hyunho, Golden Child's Y, Viction's Sungsik, and Sejun, and Flying's Chahun, Dong Sung and Jaehyun, SF9's Jaehyun, Winner's Song Mino and Kang Sung Yoon, Uptension's Kun and Kogyol, Master X's Menhyuk, Ju Honey and Kihyun, BTS's J Hope and Sugar, God Seven's Jin Young, Exo's Kai, Icon's Jin Wan and Jay, Very Very's Dong Hoon, Dawn, Fristella's Ko Warim, Teen Top's Chang Yo, Actor Nam Ju Yuk, Ong Sung Woo and Jung Sung Wan. As for idols who were discharged this year, the list includes VAV's Lu and Ziu, Victin's Han Sung Woo, EXO's Baekhyun, Shiny's Taemin, Day6's Young K, Dowoon, and Wanpil, Once the X's Shonu, Ace's Wow, Dong Hoon, Jun, and Byung Kwan, ONF's MK, JS, Wyatt, Hyojin, and Ishan, SF9's Insung, Block B's PO, rapper BY, and actors Kim Dong Joon, Jang Ki Yong, So Kang Joon, and Gong Myung. Moving on, let's talk about some important news in Korea that's unrelated to entertainment that came out this year. In January, a court found that the South Korean state was partially guilty of secondary victimization of Seoul Ferry victims' families and ordered the government to pay them. Also that month, it was announced that 23 people were referred to the prosecutors in relation to their roles in the Itaewon tragedy. Then, the Pasco Poheng plant, which had been damaged badly during last year's typhoon season, was officially back to running at full capacity. In February, a student from Myanmar was hit in the face by a random woman. But luckily, three 10th graders helped get the random woman arrested. Also that month, South Korea redesignated North Korea as the quote-unquote enemy for the first time in six years. A day later, a Korean court ruled in favor of recognizing partners in same-sex relationships as legal dependents. This decision affects matters such as health insurance. In March, Busan unveiled new branding for the city. The new slogan is, Busan is good, which replaced the previous slogan of 20 years, Dynamic Busan. This was decided on by citizens who participated in surveys. So, participate in the surveys if you don't like what someone does. In April, it was announced that people can now have digital records, such as photos or personal information deleted, that they had posted when they were underage. Then in June, international age being used in Korea was rolled out. Korean age is now mainly used for elementary school admissions, military service, public service exams, and tobacco and alcohol purchases. Otherwise, international age is the thing. To simplify, Korean age still applies to legal documents that affects people in Korea. Everywhere else is going to go by international age. In July, it was reported that due to heavy floods and landslides, 39 cultural heritage properties in Korea were damaged. Then, in August, the disaster that was the 25th World Scout Jamboree went down. This was an event for scouts across the world to meet. The first issues that made headlines had to do with high temperatures that caused many events to be cancelled or postponed, and some troops left early. However, soon other incidents were reported on. Some people had a good experience, but problems stacked up to the point that the government and companies had to step in to save the event. For example, many companies stepped up to provide accommodations to foreign troops, but Korean scouts alleged that they didn't have nearly the same treatment. In addition to that, the K-pop industry was dragged into it and a politician even called for BTS, including members serving in the military, to save the event by performing at the concert set up to mark the end of the jamboree. That came with backlash, as did the scheduling of groups that did participate in the event. Luckily, the concert went well. But at the end of all this, it led to the idea of the gender ministry being abolished was revisited because they handled the jamboree. 
Also that month, the Seoul Metropolitan Government announced the new slogan for the city as chosen by Seoul citizens to be, quote, Seoul, like S-C-O-U-L, my soul, S-O-U-L. Finally, to wrap up this section on a high note, in October, an absolute legend jumped in to help three people after he saw their car go off the road. They slid into a waterway that caused the car to be trapped with mud and filled with water along with the mud. Since this was in a rural area, and since the nearest emergency services were far from the site, the man was helped by firefighters through a video call until they could arrive. By the time they got there, he had gotten all three out, and they were found to be unharmed. Let's shift back to talking about Korean celebrities and talk about those we lost this year. In January, Kim Young-hee passed away at 59 due to complications related to giganticism. She was on the 1984 Olympic silver medal winning women's basketball team. In March, actor Kwon Byung-gil passed at 76. If you listen to our single scoop episode on Super Junior's 2007 movie Attack on the Pinup Boys, you'll remember him as the actor who played the school principal. At the beginning of April, legendary singer Hyomi died at 85. A few days later, actress Jung Chae-yul passed at 26. Sadly, on April 19th, Astros Moonbin passed away at 25. This hit a lot of people hard this year because he was beloved from the time he was a child. Many second-gen fans were introduced to him through his appearance as Mini Yoon-ho in TVXQ's Balloons music video, all the way through his own debut in 2016. He held the role as Astro's main dancer, lead vocalist, and center. There's so much more information about him than what we have time to say here, but truly, the love people felt for him transcends generations, and he is greatly missed. Then, on April 20th, Emergency Act 19 creator So Se-won died in Cambodia. If you listen to our Single Scoop episode on that film, you'll recall his questionable life and appreciate that he died on 420. Then, in May, singer Hesu passed away at 29. In June, actress Pak Soo-ryeon passed away at 29 after a fall. Later that month, singer Choi Sung-bong died at 33. On July 6th, former Amoeba Culture CEO Go Kyung-min passed away at 53. She's best known for her work with dynamic duo and working with stars like Wonder Girls Hotfelt. But she had her start in first gen by being a stylist for Sote GM Boys during their fourth album promotions, and their legendary look from Come Back Home comes from her. She also did the iconic fluffy look for HOT's Candy, which they hated at first and threatened to quit, but later came to appreciate her genius for. On July 19th, former idol Chung Lim passed away from colon cancer at 37. He debuted in 2009 with Step and did the iconic CF song Sugar Point. He was expected to be one of the big solo artists who debuted that year, along with guys like Taegun, who we briefly mentioned in our last episode on phone calls. But Chung Lim left the industry soon after debut. And finally, in September, actor Byun Hee Bong passed away at 81. We extend our condolences to all of the loved ones and fans of these figures and know they will be missed. Moving on, let's talk about celebrities who welcomed children this year. For idols, Shinwa's Eric and Nahemi welcomed a son in March. Former The Ark and Khan member Unha Kim had a son in June. And Lime from Hello Venus welcomed a daughter in October. Then, rapper BY had a daughter in January. Singer Ben had a daughter in February. And John Park and his wife welcomed a daughter in September. Additionally, dancer Honey J had a baby in April. And finally, Song Joong-gi and Katie Louise Sanders welcomed a son in June. And now, let's go over to our final segment. Let's talk about some major relationship changes. First up, let's talk about who started dating. At the beginning of the year, Super Junior's Shin Dong confirmed that he is dating a non-celebrity. At the beginning of August, Blackpink's Jisoo and actor An Bu Yun confirmed that they were dating. But they broke up later in October due to busy schedules. In September, E.Q. Han and BB Girls' Yu Jung were confirmed as being in a relationship. Next, let's talk about who got engaged. In July, M. Black's Thunder and Gugudan's Mimi announced that they had been dating for four years and then they got engaged by the end of the month on a show. And now, let's talk about who got married. In January, actor Song Joong-gi and Katie Louise Sanders registered their marriage. In February, Jewelry's So and Young got married to a non-celebrity. In March, Yukika and Map6's Minhyuk got married. 
In April, Isungi and Idain got married. In May, Forstella's Bae Doohyun and musical actress Kang Yeon Jung got married. And believe it or not, on that same day, Seven and actress Lee Dahae got married. Also, quick reminder, we did a two-part series on Seven back in season two, so if you want to know who he is, we recommend listening to those episodes. Then at the end of May, singer Tae got married. In June, Mercury's Hanbit got married. Harisu congratulated her friend, which was sweet. In July, Dynamic Duo's Choiza married a non-celebrity woman. They became life partners back on June 9th, but had delayed the ceremony due to the death of the former Amoeba Culture CEO mentioned earlier. Also that month, singer Lady Jane and Im Hyun Tae, who is an actor and ex-Big Flow member, got married. In August, Nora Jo's Won Him got married. In September, Kim Jae-yeon of Produce 101 and 1NB married comedian Lee Sang-ho. At the beginning of October, singer Im Jung-hee and ballerino Kim Hee-hyun got married. Then, at the end of the month, it was announced that actor Daniel Henney recently got married to Roo Kumagai. We all wish them well on their journeys in love. To wrap up, 2023 was a long year, with many surprising events. As mentioned earlier, this was just a small slice of what happened. If you want to hear more, we implore you to check out our master list or wait for part two. What's part two? Well, that episode will feature the last two months of this year, as well as certain stories that take up a lot of time to explain, such as the shenanigans with SM Entertainment, which, as our listeners know, that is kind of my niche. And we did this because we always feel bad about not including December in these episodes, which we rush in order to get them out on time. To solve this problem, we're experimenting with a two-episode system. You got part one now, and then part two will be released in February on the same day as the bloopers for this season. We want to keep our feed organized, so this will be released on our coffee. Part two will be free as a default, since it's part of our usual lineup, but you'll also have the option to set your own price if you want to give us a tip. There will be a bonus piece of content behind a paywall on coffee when part two goes up that won't be available elsewhere, but that is separate from this, and we'll explain what that is in February. As this episode is always the longest of the season, hopefully this was less of a drag and give you something to look forward to in the new year. And if there's a particular piece of news you want us to mention in part two, because you're like, there's no way the Sundays don't have an opinion on this. You can also drop us a comment either with this episode or somewhere on one of our social media accounts, and we'll try to add it. But if you want to hear our thoughts on this year, such as what were our favorites and our predictions for next year, be sure to tune into the next episode when we'll be talking about them. JR, take it away. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, tell your friends about us, and review us on Podchaser. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at KpopSunbase or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Also, don't forget that our final episode of 2023 comes out on December 17th, 2023. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong. <laughs>